Hello, I hope you're doing really well today. We're talking in this message series about making snap decisions under pressure. And we've been under a lot of pressure this last year with the pandemic and and the lockdowns and everything. We said in the first message that divorce rates are 34% higher year over year. And a lot of damage is done by making a snap decision under pressure when parents split up. One in four workers have considered quitting their job during COVID-19, and 173,000 more people moved out of California than moved into California, which is the exact opposite of the gold rush. So in this series, we've been looking at what the Bible says about avoiding the damage done by making quick and costly decisions, snap decisions. The first week, we looked at the main concern for a Christ follower, which is to do the will of God. This is what Jesus did, and we follow him, so this is what we should do. Last week, we talked about the need to make sure our decisions fit the larger frame of God's will that we can discover in Scripture. God reveals his specific will as we learn and do his general will in Scripture. Today, we're going to look at the need to pay attention to detail and be carefully focused on doing God's will as he leads us leads us through a specific decision. Most of the decisions we make aren't going to be found in the guidelines or commands of Scripture. For instance, if if you want to move out of California right now, you're among the thousands that want to, you won't find the name of the city in the Bible that you should move to. <laughs> Captain Obvious here. But that's... That's just not going to be the case, of course, unless it's Antioch, California. I know there's an Antioch, California. That's in the Bible. Um, If you want to change jobs like 25% of the people do right now, you're not going to find the job you should move to explicitly stated in the Bible. Unless, of course, it's carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. Um, It it could be that... uh, your your career path lines up with something in the Bible, but that's that's not how it works. You won't see the name of the person that you're going you're supposed to marry in Scripture unless, of course, they have a Bible name. All of these decisions, though, even though they're not going to be explicit in Scripture, they're judgment calls, and they really matter. They make a difference. They have an impact on our future as it unfolds. And God promises to guide us through these decisions. So he wants to help us experience, uh, to discover his specific will for our lives and make good judgment calls related to these decisions. We need his guidance. Because choices have consequences. God has built cause and effect into the way life works. 
He's created reality. And it's certainly better to align with reality the way that he's created it than it is to try to go against it, like defying the law of gravity. That doesn't work out well. Our choices, then, God's designed it so that our choices make a big difference in our life. There's a false idea going around in our culture right now that there should be no disparity whatsoever in society if it's going to be a just society. In this view, disparity equals discrimination. And that's just not true. The the thought is that we need to have a level playing field financially by giving everyone the same amount of income. But the truth is that if we gave everyone in America, say, a million dollars to erase disparity, over the next five years, over time, some would have more and do be doing well. Others would have rifled through that money and they would be doing poorly. This is because different life choices yield different outcomes. That's the way life works. This is a law that built into, that God built into the way life works like the law of gravity. Here's a passage I read for the very first time in college. And in college, I like to sleep in instead of going to classes. And this passage definitely woke me up. It slapped me in the face. Proverbs 24, 33 through 34. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The truth is, I needed to hear that. I needed to soak that in because I was not making the most of my opportunity and my classes for sure. And the truth is, if we leveled the playing field for all Americans financially, the lazy folks are going to waste it. They're not going to get ahead. It's not going to help. Another thing, because God allows us to freely choose whether we're going to do his will or not. This may surprise you. What he prefers may not come to pass. This this is true. You see this in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Lord is kind. He's loving. He loves the entire world. He doesn't want anyone to perish by not choosing to follow him, but he gives every one of us a choice whether or not to repent. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but the choice is ours. This is the, what he's built into the way life works. And that choice of whether to repent and follow him has eternal consequences attached to it. Choices have consequences. This is why we need to seek the Lord's guidance and look for God's specific will. We discover God's specific will primarily through clear thinking and wise counsel. Um, 
but it's it's also built on a foundation of God's general will, and we pray all the way through it. I talked about the building blocks of decision making, uh, the seminar that I did. I talked about it last week. To make wise decisions, they should be f- built on a foundational understanding of God's general will. And here you see the bottom row of the blocks, the foundation of the building blocks. And uh, it involves, it's going to involve faith and obedience and integrity in the middle. It always involves the, the bringing together of faith and obedience, knowing what God wants us to do, following his commands, obeying them, which requires faith, and then having the integrity to live those out in life as we, as we do them. There's also guidance in scripture when we start to look for God's specific will. And here's the middle row of blocks, uh, clear thinking, and wise counsel are involved there. And then as Christ followers, we know we should pray about every decision that we're making that really matters. And we should pray all the way through it. But to make wise decisions, we need to do more than pray. It's built on a foundation. There are other blocks. There's a process that God wants to take us through to know and understand his will because emotions can bully us into bad decisions. And that's why we're talking about this in, in the snap series. They often scream, it's not fair what's going on under the pressure. It's just not fair. Today, we're looking at how to counter carelessness in the midst of the pressure, in the face of the strong emotions that we face under pressure. So the focus of this message, as I said, is the middle row, clear thinking, and wise counsel. Let's see what the Bible says about these two things. First, clear thinking. Instead of taking the top block, praying, and letting my emotions lead me, and rolling it like dice, I need to give some serious thought to the decision that I'm making. Proverbs 14, 8 and 15 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. If we're applying this passage, we should have a healthy caution about big decisions. And here's what happens with me. I get the fever sometimes for something. I just, I really want, I really want it, and it might be good, might be bad for me. But my emotions, my f- desires are driving it. And instead of giving into the fear, uh, the fever, I should look ahead, make projections, and anticipate consequences. In this series, we've seen how haste is very dangerous in decision-making. That's why we've called it snap, because hasty is not good. Sometimes we wrestle and we get tired with thinking about the decision, mulling over the choice we need to make, 
and we get decision fatigue. That's what I call it. Hang in there. Endure to the end and make a good decision. God wants to help you with the endurance, and he wants to help you make the decision. The second block in the middle row is getting wise counsel. You know, we don't need to pray about every decision we make, every choice. Like, for instance, if you go to McDonald's, whether or not you should buy a Big Mac or a filet of fish I like them both. It just depends on what I want in that given moment. Um, we don't need to... We don't need counsel on every decision, but the more impactful a decision, the more time, thought, and counsel you should get. It's kind of like an accordion. The more impactful, the longer and the more careful I should be in making that choice. You know, just like the accordion makes the sound. Um, Often... Though we want something so bad that we can't see straight to make a good decision. And this is where the council comes in. We need to seek a 360 degree view and all of the facets of the decision that we're trying to make and getting wise counsel from people, mature Christians who will tell you the truth is a way to get the 360-degree view of that because they're going to help you see blind spots. If they're willing to tell you the truth, they're going to help you see what is really going on. Proverbs 12:15 says, The way of a fool seems right to him. You know, it's hard for me to pull off course if I think I'm right about something or if I really want something. I don't want to be foolish, however, and this passage says a wise man listens to advice. When you're putting your plan together, that's when you need to get the advice. Proverbs 20.18 says, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. So many times I've put my plan together and then sought a stamp of approval, not advice, and I... I paid the price if I've gone ahead with the plan without really getting advice as I put the plan together. When you're making a decision about God's specific will, what you and I need is we need a grid or a map of truths to orient us in making the decision. I'm always amazed when I'm watching World War II movies because the 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 things they're using are not modern, um, but they, when especially when they're calling in the artillery, they're in the battle, and they're calling in the artillery to strike the enemy, they, they give grid coordinates. That's what they're called. They give grid coordinates, and I'm amazed at how accurate they could be even in those days. And there are some truths about God's specific will that act like those grid coordinates for us. They provide grid coordinates to orient us to uh, life. And I'm going to walk through these quickly. So they're in your handout if you want to follow along. 
First, God's specific will aligns with your design. And I'd encourage you to read through these passages uh, listed on your own. God designed each of us physically to do best when we sync up with his design. Now, my strengths and weaknesses, when I'm making a decision, my strengths and weaknesses are going to help me know and accomplish God's specific will for me. It's going to clue me in to his assignment in life and ministry. And I'm going to do better if I match up to the way he made me. The second truth is that God is sovereign and in control. God sovereignly brings people into our lives who should factor into our will. A major enemy strategy is to move you away from the people who are giving you from help right now to grow spiritually. It's uh, it, There's a group of people, typically, that are helping us grow, a church. And one of the enemy's strategies is to move you away from that group and that help that you're receiving. This is one of the dangers of the pandemic pressure to move out of California. There are thousands who want to do it. And it is dangerous because it is so difficult to establish relationships in a church body in another location. You you aren't just going to pick up where you left off with old friends and fellow church members. I decided a long time ago that God sovereignly put me in the stream of ministry and church life that I'm in, and I'm going to stay in it. God introduced me to Thad King. I was able to meet him in college. He really helped me and mentored me there. Through Thad King, I met Harold Bullock, who's been my mentor over the years, and those relationships have really blessed me. They still bless me. They help me to stay on track. And I have decided to stay with the folks that God gave me in the, in the beginning, the way that the fact that he sovereignly brought them into my life and used them to bless me really makes a difference. You may need to jump streams if a stream is polluted, but I would only do that with much prayer and thought after thinking it through. Third, God guides as we walk with him. This is why it's so important to get moving by learning and knowing and doing God's will as it's revealed in Scripture, because God will only steer us when we're already moving to do his will. That's what we talked about the first week. Have you ever tried to steer a sea-doo or a jet ski kind of thing that doesn't have power without the engine running? You can't do it. I've been drifting toward the dock, and and just there's no way to steer the thing. Um, And in the same way, we must... Set our heart to do the will of God in the power of the Holy Spirit for God to lead us. If we want to discover God's will, he will show us 
but he won't show us unless we've already decided to do that will. Here is one of God's ways that I want to wrap up with. The right choice is often the most difficult. This is Palm Sunday. 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered Jerusalem to the cheers of an adoring crowd. Now, he knew that he would be crucified at the end of that week. And that crucifixion was a horrible thing. It was the most difficult thing he experienced in his life on this earth. If we're following Jesus, what this means is our main concern should be to do the will of God, no matter how difficult it is. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't want to suffer the cross. He asked God to let it pass. He asked God to make another way, but he surrendered in the end to doing God's will because he knew that it was God's will for him to go to the cross and it was God's plan to bless many, many people. We've been blessed by that decision, his choice to go ahead and suffer through the cross. Mature Christians do the same. They are willing to suffer now, to make the most difficult choice right now in order to bless others, to bless their family and their children and others, friends and extended family for generations. We choose to do his will in faith, knowing it's going to be the best thing over the long haul. I put several statements in your outline that contrast our preferences and what God wants to do in our lives. And I want to encourage you to read through the passages on your own. I haven't, I haven't put the passages in the outline, but I want to encourage you to do that. Here are the statements, the, the, the contrast and how it shows that often the most difficult choice is the right choice. I want to be happy. God wants to make me holy. I want to be secure in my resources. God wants faith beyond them. I want ease, but God wants growth under pressure. I want rest, but God keeps me climbing. I want a schedule that's reasonably paced. God sends seasons of opportunity and testing, so I must scramble in faith. This is the way it works. Often, the right choice is the most difficult choice. We get pushed and pulled by our emotions under pressure, and we need to slow down. That's what this whole series has been about. We need to slow down and get God's help to avoid the disaster of snap decisions that are going to cost us over the long haul. I'd like to wrap up with some suggested next steps. My next step today is to seek God's specific will in a decision I'm making right now. You you may have a decision that's pressing on you. You're under pressure to make it. And I'm going to tell you, the best thing to do 
is God's will for you in that decision. And so I want to encourage you. That's been my experience. God has come through every time as I've set my heart to do his will and to accomplish his purpose in my life. A second step would be to read through the passages that I didn't read in this message and think about how they apply to a decision I am making right now, something I'm facing right now. So you read through and you think about it and you let God speak to you through those passages. I would encourage that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your kindness and your mercy. I thank you so much that you have given us freedom, the freedom to choose our own path in life and to have the freedom to choose whether or not to have a relationship with you. Because we can have a true, genuine, heartfelt relationship with you, God. And I bless you for that. I thank you, God, for that. And I ask that you would give us the an understanding of your will, your genuine will. And then in the decisions that we're making right now, this week, and over these next days, and then on through our lifetime, that you would show us your will so that we could do it in the specific matters that we're deciding right now. We ask for your help in this. We praise you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.